0: Thanks for joining us today on a special episode of the Jesus Famous Podcast with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Today, we have a special guest in the studio sharing their story about how Jesus has changed their life. Join us as we discuss stories and discover how Jesus is famous in the testimonies of those around us. Nate, super good to see you. You really feel that way? (laughs) always okay all right good always I didn't know it's so good to see you
1: and (laughs) hey I'm really thankful for this article that you wrote I don't know if it's weird to start this off on like a serious note or not but dude this article meant a lot to me Hmm. because I've been doing ministry now for I mean with you for I think like 14 years maybe 15 years yeah a, a long time like almost half of my life and um there have been parts of my life where you know, everybody who's going through their 20s in ministry, you're kind of just wondering, is this really like the mm-hmm. thing for me? And there's a lot of difficulties as you're learning leadership and discipling people and teaching the whole thing. And I was just reading this article. I'm like, dude, I've seen Nate do all these things. And I feel like I've begun to put some of these things into practice in mm-hmm. my life and seen the benefit of them. And there was just something to it. I was like, there is like a lifestyle for ministry where, you got to kind of be in shape for it. Mm. And I feel like this article kind of talks about that. People talk about, you know, going to fighting camp or baseball camp or whatever. And I was like, this is ministry camp right here. These are Mm. the things, the practices that you have kind of put into place to really run the race well, like Paul talks about, you know? And I've seen you do it and you've, it's been cool to see how you've been stoked about ministry. I know there's always hard stuff going on, but... You love the people, you love the word, you love Jesus, and my favorite thing, dude, is that your wife loves you and your kids love you. And I'm always like, okay, if that stuff's happening, then something good is happening in this guy's <laughs> life. So I just want to say thanks for explaining this and kind of pour- pouring out of your life these different practices and principles. It's really helpful. So
0: yeah, man, uh, it's it's it was an honor to like think about it and write it. I mean, as you know, yeah. it kind of came out of just one of our staff meetings and the it was a hmm. meeting that I was leading and I right. just thought I think I want to talk to our team about these and I you know 20 is such an arbitrary number but 20 yeah. practices that I think have helped me serve Jesus in one place yeah, but yeah, I I, I think these it. are probably you can apply these if you're called to move around quite a bit yep. but just to keep serving Jesus whether it's in one place or in various places for a long time yeah and you know, I'm only 43 years old at this point, so it's hard for me to really st- st- put my flag in the ground for a long time. But right, like right. you said about your life, you're saying this is my whole ministry life so far. Yeah. I've been in one place. Mm-hmm. It feels like a long time to you. Totally. You know, when you're 70 years old, these 14 or 15 mm-hmm. years won't have felt like a really long time.
1: So that won't true. have
0: felt like a really long time. But... Uh, what we're talking about is endurance and like, what are some good practices to have in your life to be able to do this for a long time. And I'm, I'm really proud of you, man. It's so fun to serve Jesus with you. You know, you were, you were a part of my youth group back in the day and to see you, you know, press into the Lord and serving here in what is, you know, uh, if this is not your home church then it's (laughs) nobody's home church, you know know I mean? You grew up here. And to serve the Lord in this place, I mean, it's a pretty neat thing. So yeah, I'm glad that it blessed you. That blesses me. It really did. And
1: thanks for reminding me about where this article came from. I I was reading it, and I was like, man, I've heard him talk about these things before, but I can't place where you talked (laughs) about them. But it's from a staff chapel. I was curious if this article came from any other kind of place in your life. And what I mean is, you know, I've read some different books and heard articles, and people speak about this kind of stuff has come from a place of pain where, you know, your pastor's gone through some hardship, they've learned a lot, and now they're writing or speaking about it to help the next generation. And I was curious from you if that was kind of your experience or if you just kind of reflected on your life and just saw that there were some great practices to share. But I don't know how much you want to get into that, but did this come from a place of hurt at all? or
0: like... I wouldn't say a specific pain okay. you know, and just trying to be honest and transparent about it. You know, I wouldn't say, yeah, there was this one particular episode that made me feel like I need needed to write this article. I think some of it for me is just, you know, ministry can be painful oh, yeah. and I don't want to get out my violin and, you know, make it sound like we have the hardest <laughs> life ever or anything yeah. like that. It's a joy to serve Jesus you know, I, I agree with Paul, the apostle. He said, I thank my God who counted me faithful and put it, put me into the ministry. Like this guy was beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and imprisoned all kinds. And he's at the end of his life saying, I'm really thankful that I got to live this life. You know, there is something special about it. And so, you know, I'm not one of those guys that thinks, you know, woe is me. It's so hard or anything like that, but it is challenging Mm -hmm. and and, you know, the church work, gospel work, you're up against opposition on the outside. You're up against inevitable opposition on even the inside yeah. of the church. And you're up against opposition with your own dang self. You <laughs> know, so true. the limitations <laughs> yeah. that you feel, the temptations that you go through, the lack of will and drive and desire or giftedness or knowledge or ability, I mean, these are complexing times that we're living in. So it'd be real easy to kind of tap out, throw in the towel and just say, I can't do this anymore. So I think for me, I probably wrote this like, yeah, out of like a general pain. But then I think also I wrote it out of a desire. You know, I I mean, I put this list together because I was thinking about younger people that I'm serving with Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'd really like to see them endure. I'd really like to see them keep going. So what are some of the things that I think have been helpful to help me keep going? I'm not representative of everybody, but these at least have been helpful to me. And if there's two or three that help someone else Hmm. find their rhythm and keep going in serving Jesus, then it was worth it for me to put this together.
1: Totally. And as I was reading it, you know, it's helpful for pastors for sure, ministry leaders, but a lot of the things that you're talking about here don't require ordination. They don't require a Bible degree. They don't require some kind of status or anything like that. If you got a time and a local church body, you can kind of do all of this stuff. Which made it for me think, man, this is like really accessible, you know, to a pastor, but also to somebody who's just learning how to follow Jesus for the first time. You know. There's a lot of principles in here that are just kind of lifestyle practices. And so I was thinking about the person who's listening to this and thinking, man, if you're not in a leadership capacity in the church where you feel like, you know, you're overseeing ministries and teams and stuff like that, but maybe you're a student, you got a dorm room, maybe you're a parent, you have kids, spouse, you have a a spouse or just some friends, like, This kind of stuff, you can put into practice right now Mm -hmm. and do ministry for the long haul. We're not just talking about pastors and leaders, although this does apply really specifically to leadership, but is for Christians, man. It's like sure. live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, that's
0: why I called the article twenty practices that will help you serve Jesus for a yes, lot. I Jesus. mean who is there that's a Christian that isn't called to serve Jesus? We're all called totally. to the ministry life. So it doesn't have to be, you know, official, it's my job, I'm ordained, I went to seminary, mm-hmm. and know, all that kind of stuff. It could just be I want to serve Jesus with my life. I, I'm a youth leader, and I'm helping out you know, each week, and I've got my little small group, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to pour into these people that are younger than me. How can I set up good rhythms to help me get that job done? So, yeah, man, mm-hmm. great observation.
1: That's so cool. I want to pick your brain about a few of these things. You know, there, there's 20 things. You don't want I- to
0: go through all 20?
1: <laughs> I was like, can we... Uh... Write a book about this, or can <laughs> we do a bunch of episodes? But I love to pick your brain about a few things, and I'm just going to direct everybody um, to this article on Nateholders.com. I, I encourage you to read through each point, but each point even is like kind of like a teaser into like that particular practice or that thing that you can really throw yourself into. But I did have a few I wanted to ask you about sure. that you probably get asked about all the time. But the first one you wrote down was reading. Yeah. And I know that, you know, we've talked about before, leaders are readers, readers are leaders, and reading is just a big part of growth, you know. But a lot of people just have a hard time figuring out, like, what to read, um, when to read, and how much can you like, really expect yourself to read. Some people are just natural readers. Like I, I, I don't know if you are or not, but just consume, consume, consume books. Mm-hmm. I empathize with the person who reads one book a year you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just curious from you, what is, uh, cause you mentioned how important it is for you and how Paul wanted his books, you know, kind of towards the end of his life. It was a big part of his, yeah. um, refreshment. So I was curious from you, like,
0: what is your reading habit? Like, would you call it a habit? Like, how do you build it into your life? Yeah. Well, it's definitely a habit and it is something you have to build into your life. Okay. It doesn't happen naturally, or at least not for me. It's not a natural kind of thing. It's something I have to really fight for. Um, As you were getting ready, kind of winding up this question, I had a memory of an embarrassing thing that I said one time when I was younger. Oh, I remember yes. talking with a friend of mine who was a pretty avid reader for hmm. that stage of life. You know, we were yeah. both in our, you know, early twenties or something like that. And I was just in this phase where I was in this like Bible only phase Oh as yeah, as far as my purist went. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he was talking about the latest book that he was reading that was, you know, I forget what it was about, but it was definitely rooted in scripture. Mm-hmm. And, I just made some kind of comment, you know, about like, I don't know, man, I'm just into like reading the Bible only, you know, right now. Maybe that was something I needed to go through at that time of my life. But I I just kind of had this attitude, like, why read? Totally. The reality is you know, God has given to the church, um, gifted teachers and leaders and, you know, reading is such a great practice oh, yeah. to get into. They mm-hmm. can really give you, you know, books can give you so much life and perspective oh yeah, experience that you don't have to get the hard way. Um, but it can give you an understanding of scripture. Absolutely. I mean, where would we be, of uh, in our understanding of God's word, if it weren't for gifted authors and scholars and pastors and teachers, you know, writing out their thoughts and their studies, you know, breaking down original languages and things like that. I mean, reading is really important. Uh so for me yeah it's a habit that I've developed over time. I do have an article that I wrote I think last year the year before somewhere you could search for it at nateholders.com or you could put mm-hmm. it in the show notes Yeah we'll put it in the show notes for sure. how I read um uh, as many books as I do. Heck yeah. And um you know I, I I I do read a fair amount, you know, each year. Um and for me, I, I, you know, it's all about planning. It's all about planning. Yeah. So I know some people aren't like this and some people (laughs) hear the word planning and they just get, you know, like an allergic reaction to it, you know, but if you could just bear with me for a second, (laughs) what I mean by planning is knowing what you're going to read next. Yes. After you finish the book you're reading now, what are you going to read next? You don't know the answer to that question. You're never going to really establish a good rhythm for reading because then each book that you finish, you go on the inevitable nebulous quest to find the next book that you're going to read. And it's in that gap, at least for me, that I find the momentum stops. Mm. So I keep a running list of what I'm going to read next. Now, if you want to plan further than that, I do plan further than that. So for me, I always have three books that I'm reading. At Mm. any given time, I always have something that's fun. So it might be fiction right now. I'm reading the Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. So I'll be doing that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I always have a secondary book that I'm unwilling to listen to. I'm unwilling to have it read to me, whether it's Mm. audible or, you know, the Alexa app. Um, reading it out loud to me or whatever, uh, it's I'm reading it with my own eyes. Usually, this is something that's meatier, more for me, more theological, more difficult. And then a third book that I'll read or listen to. So, mm, yeah, and I've, I've used the I use Kindle books. I read those, and so I've just discovered that the Alexa app is awesome. I can just be tell it to read me my book and it will Man. just pick up ever I left off and just keep that book rolling. So I always have those three books going and this, huh. the, the one that I'm reading with my, you know, sitting down looking at, uh, and the one that I'm listening to, those are always, you know, edifying, challenging, mm. yeah. you know, whether it's scriptural or, you know, right now I'm plowing through a bunch of books on, um, manhood you know christian the the bible and manhood Mm -hmm. because i'm getting ready to teach on that subject a lot this next year um but uh you've got to have a plan so that's kind of how i do it and then and then if i could go past that let's go another thing that i like to do in response to and kind of like I don't know if it's planning or not, but once I finish a book, I just put it on my list of books that I've read for that year. So I have like a 2021 reading list. And so I'll put that book on the list. I'll give it a short, like one sentence review. And then I always rate it one to Hmm. five, five being the best, uh, because people ask me for book recommendations and stuff. So I like to just, you know, be able to search for all my fives. I don't wanna give them a three or a one. <laughs> so I just search for all my fives and I'll skim through it and go, Oh yeah, I think you might like this book, you might like that book, this would be appropriate for you. Helps at Christmas time when I buy 100%. books for my friends or family, you know. Oh just yeah. Like, oh, here's some Bingo. good books that I like. So I like to just keep that catalog of where I've been. And if I'm really feeling planny, then I'll actually go and copy all the highlights that I hmm. took as I read through that book, just different things that I highlighted. Cause since I'm reading, I read digital books, I don't read yeah. hard copies. So I'll take all the highlights and I'll paste them into that uh, note so that I can, you know, search for them reference, just read the highlights of that book in the future. Dang. That's a tight way to do it.
1: I can never get down with the digital reading experience for some reason. Yeah. I've tried it.
0: I don't know. I got to give it another go cuz that sounds so tight. Yeah. But I know a lot of people love that page, you I know, know there's something hand. about it. And and it's powerful because it cuts down on distractions, you know. You oh, can't yeah. you can't push a button on the page and go anywhere <laughs> else. But I love digital reading because I can look up words yeah, real that's quickly. Huge. You know, the dictionary is just embedded into it. And some of the stuff I'm reading, you know, these guys are way smarter than I am. So I don't <laughs> know the words they're using a lot of times. So I need to look them up. Uh, and then uh, because of the being able to catalog those highlights in the future. And then yeah. it's a whole other subject, but I'm really big into libraries. And so. That's right. Yeah, I have like. In California, I think I have like 25 library cards just because in California, wherever I go, I'll just go to the local library and get a new library card. It's the greatest card. flex ever. So that means I can check out books from these places digitally and borrow them. The highlights I get to keep forever, the books oh, wow. you don't get to keep forever. Obviously, you're just checking them out. So it just like the pros and cons, <laughs> it was like the the benefit far outweighed the uh, the cost Uh, hundred percent digitally for me so i just kind of went all in on that plus my whole theological library is digital because i use the logo study software so if i'm buying like commentary kind of books that's a whole other subject to read for me then that's uh that goes into that digital platform that's totally different subject
1: dude i I love that i think that uh one thing you're mentioning is about you know the importance of reading is um that sometimes books can take you somewhere that you don't have to go. They can kind of prevent you from pain and making the wrong step and everything. I found that some books can really be like a mentor. And that's so important about reading that you can get into the mind of somebody that you respect, admire, and just get to know them in a certain kind of way. And I've also loved, I think that you've talked about this before, but stacking reading. Like I'll stack like a, I think like a fun book or kind of secondary theology book with my Bible reading. And that's been huge for me. Like in the mornings, cause I usually read in the morning, I'll wake up and get my coffee, read and I'll read a fun book first and get into my Bible and do my journaling and my whole rhythm. But that stacking has been fun. I feel be like begin your morning with like a mentor, or somebody you respect and then jump into God's word and learn about Jesus. I'm like, dude, this is like such a rich way
0: mm-hmm. to start off the day. Do you read in the mornings or what do you normally do? Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. I read beyond just in the mornings, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of the the way I got started with that honestly was just to say, okay, I want to have a goal of reading 10 pages of a
1: Love that. Yeah. a
0: some kind of either devotional or theological, you know, some kind of biblical based book. I want to read 10 pages of it with my morning devotional time. Hmm, Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe for someone that's listening, you just say like, I just want to commit to reading five pages. Right. But that's a great way to get yourself rolling is just to have a modest goal. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is that little habit turns into there's a whole book about this called atomic habits, that little right. habit mm-hmm. that turns into something bigger. And you start realizing like, oh, I could read more than five pages. Totally. Pretty soon you find yourself reading a whole chapter or two chapters and mm-hmm. it just becomes more of a rhythm uh, in in your life. But I'm glad you brought up what you did just about the books kind of being able to serve as like mentors and help, you know, yeah. for you as you're going through life and ministry. Cause that's really why I put it in the article. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about, you know, what has helped me serve Jesus so far in one place. And I think a lot of it has been that um I've been interacting with mentors and teachers and theologians and uh, leading thinkers by the written word mm-hmm. this whole time. So I haven't had to always go to them. They've come to me right. and I'm able to like keep myself fresh and mentally stimulated and mm-hmm. strong. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just such a huge gift. So that's, that's a major part of like why I said, reading. Yeah. you know, I put it first on the list. It's not like it's the number one. Thing, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the first thing that came to my mind.
1: Totally. And I don't mean to belabor the reading part. I know there's a lot more to talk about, but could you give I us... mean, this is a podcast, so people like... I guess it's like, true.
0: No, I'm listening to a podcast because I don't like reading books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're and talking about the thing you don't want to books. do, really. Yeah.
1: I-, I am curious, though, just last thing about it. Do you have any authors that you recommend to somebody who's trying to get started with reading? I, I imagine people like want to go the distance with their faith, but they're like, I don't know
0: who to who to read yeah yet, you know? no I don't and the reason I say that is because um I I really don't like giving recommendations carte blanche like yeah without knowing who I'm talking to I like asking a couple of follow-up questions yeah you know of what they're going through what their background is and then I can kind of pull out and figure out some people but I think a great website that uh, with a lot of material that I really trust would be the Gospel Coalition website. That's a great place to go, and you can kind of get yourself started with seeing some different authors. There's a lot of higher theology kind of works that are there, so if you're newer to the faith, uh, there might be some things that are a little too advanced for you, Um, but there's a lot of thinkers there, and you can kind of get yourself into that world a little bit, and Mm -hmm. then you know, you'll start seeing other authors that are recommended, you know, from yeah. those authors and stuff like that. But that'd totally. be a good place to start. Yeah. That's a great, great tip.
1: Thanks for talking about reading for a minute. Sure. Let's go on to another thing. Um, relationships. I loved your thoughts about your friendships, your home relationships. And I know that for a lot of people, uh, relationships are just difficult. It's like kind of depending on your age, you know, I've, read a lot of memes that talk about you know being in your 30s and it's like it's just it's hard to find friends it will be like Mm. like how do you even find friends when you're in your 30s you're not going to school with anybody anymore you kind of started your career you're tired a lot because you're working or whatever it might be you know and it's like okay who are going to be like my people that I go through life with but I know that you have some cool friendships that you've had for quite a while too and I was curious from you how those friendships began were those friendships that birthed out of church relationships did you pursue a few people that you admired how did that just work for you and i'm only asking because sometimes i talk to people and i've felt this way too i don't know who i don't know where to look for a friend or you Mm -hmm. try to join me like a small group and you're like okay this is gonna be my opportunity to find a friend and you just kind of don't connect with somebody there Mm -hmm. and maybe feel a little standoffish because of that So I'm just curious,
0: like, how did you find the people that you chose to pour into? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one thing for me is if you can lower the uh, expectation of how many quality friends you think you need to have to thrive in life, I think that's beneficial and helpful. I know we all make our jokes about like how many friends I have on social media and you know, all of that. And we all understand that these aren't really our true friends, but I do think there's this low key thing that happens when we're swimming in that Hmm. world where we begin thinking like, well, I know I don't really have a thousand friends, but I should have like 50 and no, Hmm. you won't. You won't have 50 real friends. To lower it down to say, you know, if I just had, you know, two or three people that I had that level of connection with, I could get through a lot and I'll have other people that I'm, you know, associating with, that I'm friendly with, that I definitely love spending time with them and all of that. Uh, But really, I don't need to have this massive amount of the tightest level of friendship that you can have. That's just really not possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, a second thing that I would say is this is hard for everybody, I think, across right. the board. yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, you get into your 30s, and I think especially when you start having children, if you're oh, married and you're thing. having kids, mm-hmm. you know, it's like then there's just all these levels, you know, like when you were <laughs> single, Riley, you, all of that required was that so you different. connected strongly with the guy. <laughs> but then you got married, and it's kind of like, well does Chesley like the wife, you know, and then kids come into the equation and it's like, well, our kids aren't really the same age Mm -hmm. or their kid like, you know, picks their nose and wipes (laughs) it on our kid or like, you know, you just like get these things where it's so complicated for it to be a connection and it feels almost impossible. So again, I think in some ways you got to kind of like let your, um, lower your expectations, you know, of that. It's gotta be a match across Mm -hmm. the board. Um, And then I think another thing I'd say is, yeah, this is hard for everybody, but I think in the church, we are well positioned to be able to overcome Mm -hmm. this particular issue because um, I get to meet people that are fascinating and exciting to be with all the time partly because I like serving Jesus. So when Mm -hmm. I'm interacting with someone else who's serving Jesus and they're about the kingdom, I'm like, okay, you're my kind of person. And the thing about that is without without a friendship being based on a kingdom orientation, if friendship is not about that, then you got to be really choosy you got to be really, really choosy because it's going to come down to like personality Mm -hmm. or, um, an overlap of interests or similar perspectives on non, um, Mm -hmm. crucial things. But when it, when it comes down to, is this person a kingdom person or not, then a lot of those other things, they really become secondary. And you're able to say, I really enjoy being with this person. We're, dissimilar in lots of different ways, Mm -hmm. but they're a kingdom person. Um, and so for me, that's, that's been a huge one over the Mm -hmm. years, you know, in, in the church is just realizing like, well, you know, I mean, I got a buddy right now, like we, we couldn't really be more different from each other in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and our personalities are different. Our interests are different. Although I am kind of getting him into weightlifting right now. (laughs) But the reality is, we're kingdom guys. You know, like we that's what we want more than anything is to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have so much to talk about, to fellowship about. And it's been fun for me to like get to know what he's about, even though he's very different from me in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. So that's been really helpful, but yeah, I think, you know, in some of the relationships I'm in, I mean that they have, they're a direct result of being in one place for a really long time. Yeah, you know, true, honestly, huh? yeah. you know, you just over long periods of time in one place, there's just relationships that develop. And I know some people are bridge burners, you know, so they're like, <laughs> they're in one place and they've just cut totally. off all ties yeah. with everybody because it's just, you know, scorched earth policy or whatever, but That hasn't been the case uh, for me, and there's just been some good relationships that, you know, they've ebbed and flowed and gone through peaks and valleys like any friendship or relationship would, but because I've been here for a long time, there's just people that have also been here for a long time, and we just enjoy each other, you know. Hmm. Seinfeld has this funny bit in his recent thing that he came out with on Netflix where he talks about, it's just like this whole bit about... friends and and he just like this whole thing is just like basically like you can't find any better friends than the people you already got you know and he Mm. just kind of like is like the conclusion at the end of the day is i might as well just roll with these fools (laughs) (laughs) we're just trying to get through it together yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love that yeah that's but you know, for for me, like, I mean, the most significant, you know, I, I mentioned relationships, right. and I'm talking about friendships. But I think the relationships that have really helped me endure here, I mean, it definitely have been friendships. But my relationship with my wife and yeah. kids, mm-hmm. and then my relationship with my fellow pastors, I mm-hmm. really honestly feel like if I've got if things are clicking with Christina, mm-hmm. and if things are clicking with my co-laborers, our elder team. I can kind of get through anything yeah you know and then if I have the added bonus of some solid friendships as well that provide yeah. a place of refuge some laughs. then I, yeah, yeah I can really endure and that's yeah that like you said laughs so that's exactly what you know we're talking about endurance being in one place for a really long time it's not always going to be encouraging to be in the same place you know there's a reason why a lot of people hop around there's a reason mm-hmm. why people are skipping out of California right now, you know, discouraging things happen for people. And if you can't have friendships that you just go and just laugh, get distracted with, you know, some some of the best friends I've had over the years are just so like, they don't even understand how the church works (laughs) internally. You know, they don't, they don't get it. So they don't even know really the right questions to ask me at times, you know, but, and it's just like fine for me because it's fun to just relax. I'm happy to talk about the things of the yeah. Lord with them. They're believers. They, you know, they're about Jesus. They're kingdom people. But um, when it comes to like the nitty gritty totally. of like you know everyday pastoral life or whatever, yeah, totally that's said. just not their experience. So we there's a gap there in our understanding, and it's great because it almost just forces us to just have fun, talk about other stuff, and that can be. Really helpful uh-huh. if you want to make it someplace for a long time. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I don't know if you resonate with this, but I've found that being in the same place for a long time, people come and go. And I, I've I've been in certain stages of my life where I've been discouraged because right. people will go. Yeah. You'll, you'll make some great friendships. People will leave. And you feel like you've been deserted. But I don't know who told this to me or I don't know how this happened, but... I feel like I began to have the conviction that I have to go make friends all the time. Like, I have to be the one who is continually initiating. I need to find people. I need to be building. I can't just wait for people to come to me. Mm -hmm. And um, that might sound like discouraging to some, like, nobody's coming for you. But it's kind of like, well, you you read Philippians, you read about this kind of selfless humility and you're continually pursuing reconciliation and you're wrestling with each other to come to agreement with each other. And it's just like, there is this thing about the Christian faith where we go, we find people. And I found that to be really helpful for me because yeah, when you're in one place, like you said, people just do go and to be, to have it in your mind, like, Hey, I'm going to continually pour into friendships Has just been like a really great mental place to be in. Do you feel like that's kind of right on with how you think about friendships? Oh yeah, that's
0: so good. I love hearing you talk about that. It's like, you know, Jesus was incarnational. Yeah, incarnated to pursue right people. You know, it's almost like I'm hearing that phrase from Jesus. You know, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm he- I'm hearing that phrase from Jesus, and it's like maybe an application of that is follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of friends. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're gonna <laughs> yeah, have to be. Man. That's what you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have to be fishing for, pursuing intentionally mm. those uh, connections and, and relationships. And yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, we we live in a place here in Monterey, California, that is pretty transient especially for younger people it's a tough Mm -hmm. place to be able to afford to live for a long period of time so people it's like a gap uh, or a season of their lives that they'll live here and then they move on to cheaper pastures (laughs) Um, but yeah the reality is that's just kind of the way everywhere is now it's pretty rare for someone to live a long place in one time yeah uh, for in, in one place for a long time so you know, we, you just have to be kind of always about the habit of building those yeah. relationships and connections. Hmm. It's so true,
1: man. Hey, I wanted to ask you about one more thing. And you know, I know we we talked about a couple of things here, but there's so much in this article, I did want to kind of skim down to the bottom of the list a little bit and talk about aiming to see Christ formed in everyone you serve. I thought that was such an interesting point that you put in there in order to go the distance in one place because I feel like sometimes like we can hear something like this where it's not me focused it's other people focused and we can kind of get to this place where we don't feel like we're ready to do that yet you know and like or maybe I don't know how to do it or like I need to be built up before I can do something like that this doesn't seem like something to keep you serving for a long time it seems like Okay, after you feel secure, then this is like the next thing you can do. Mm. But the way you're talking about it here, it's really special because it sounds like it actually brings you life. It brings you a bit of purpose. That discipleship to the people you serve has actually like refreshed you mm-hmm. to some degree. Can you kind of talk about that? Like, How did that birth in your heart? Where does that come from?
0: Yeah, I think where it comes from is when you're serving Jesus in one place, for a long time, you are interacting with the same people. True. For a long time. Yeah. I mean, hmm. if you're serving Jesus in a high school ministry, for example, um, you get this like blessing of fresh faces. Yeah. Every year, and every four years, you got a whole new group of people that you're ministering to. So it feels naturally like a fresh challenge Mm. every single year because there's new individuals to pour into. Now I know that even in that kind of setting, you can get that feeling like I'm in a rut. This is the same thing over and over again, different Mm. faces, same issues, blah, blah, blah. Right. But when you're doing at least what I'm doing you know, a lot of the people that I'm ministering to and that we're, you know, doing the Christian life together. We're forming a church community together. We're, we're living out the faith together. We're loving one another, serving one another. You know, there's definitely a, always new people mm. in that, but there's a lot of folks that I've known for decades Oh now. yeah. And I'm assuming that that's only going to continue uh-huh. as time goes by. And I mean, you think about your own life. I mean, if we're all honest, there's areas in our own lives that we're just so like, you just wish you could change uh, about yourself, <laughs> you know, something yeah, yeah. about your nature or inclinations or drives or whatever that you're trying to grow in, you know, but it just seems like it's such slow going. And you have that experience internally. So I, I say that just to, to try to say I'm not trying to be mean. Yeah, with the idea that you're ministering to someone for a long, long period of time, there's bound to be moments where it just kind of feels like this is the same issue that we were dealing with 20 oh, years ago, man, Totally. you know, that's just going to happen. And you can kind of, I think when you're in one place, a person can kind of feel like the challenge is over with, you know, like they've done as much as they can do or whatever. But the the reason I put this one in here, aim to see Christ formed in everyone you serve, is that that job is never done. You could be ministering to the same person for 50 years, and Christ being formed in them at age 20, it looks different than at age 70. Mm -hmm. And so as they're going through their journey, each step of the way, If the aim is, like Paul said, I want to see Christ formed in you, then there's a fresh challenge. Hmm. It's not like, well, you know, I ministered to you when you're 20. Now I'm ministering to you when you're 30. Now I'm ministering to you while you're 40 or 50 or 60. It's, hey, you've never been this age before. And what would it look like for Christ to be formed in you today? You know, the issues you're facing, the trials you're facing, the stuff you're going through. You know, when a guy is 21 years old and I'm ministering to him, he's usually not really stressed out about his mortgage or taxes, or that the IRS is going to come audit his business, or that his kid is struggling with autism, or that his wife is going through changes that are stressing him out. Mm -hmm. Like These aren't things that he's dealing with at that stage of life. So it's, I want to see Christ formed in him when he's 21, but I also want to see Christ formed in Mm -hmm. him when he's in his mid-40s, and I want to see Christ formed in him when he's... Uh, you know, collecting his social security. You know, I want to see Christ formed in him at whatever stage of life he's in. And I think that that bar is so high. And I don't mean to say that in this like legalistic condemning, like we're just so crappy, you know, kind (laughs) of, you know, thing, but just there's always more, right? There's always always more that Jesus can do in a person's life and so to have that i think is really helpful and then i think it just helps when those discouraging moments come where you're you're feeling like you're not getting through right. with a person mm-hmm. and that change is not happening To hold that out there, you know, Paul called it a hope, you know, he believed in in the new covenant so much that he had a hope for what could Mm. happen in a person's life. So holding out that hope Mm. of Christ being formed in them, it can help you, you know, endure. Amen. So I think I was just thinking about it mostly though, from the standpoint of when it feels like there's no challenge, you're Mm. wrong. (laughs) There's a huge challenge, Christ being formed in the people that you're serving. It's so true.
1: That reminds me of just what Paul said, you know, in his letters. He, he would identify as a servant, Paul, a servant of Christ. He found his purpose and his service. And there was just something that always motivated him to continue writing, continue discipling, continue pastoring, continue living life, even with hard people and through hard situations. There's always something else that God wanted to produce inside those people that he was with. And Jesus saw the same thing in his disciples and his followers. It's like, man, we can kind of grab a hold of that heart, that thing that can keep us moving day in, day out, get us out of bed in the morning, you know? So I, I think that's a beautiful point to put in here. There's so much purpose mm-hmm. in that. I feel like that one even combats kind of like some of the other things that you were talking about here about um, the need like, to control everything. You, you said let things get messy. You talked about... Mm-hmm. um uh, not chasing the numbers, like choosing quality over quantity, having a loose grip on things, uh, take breaks, um, be steady, all these different things. There's just such good stuff in here. And again, for those of you listening or watching on YouTube, we'll put a link in the show notes in the description box for you to be able to view this article. But before we go, Nate, I just wanted to give you a chance. You know, I'm sure there's people who are listening right now who are just feeling really tired in ministry or in life they're just discouraged they maybe some people don't even want to continue going on i feel like i've heard that just Mm. so many times from people that they don't want to keep going not in a um in a way where they want to take their own life or anything like that but just are just so exhausted just feeling burnt out from the life they're living the social media feeds they're giving themselves into relational discomforts whatever it might be but do you have anything that you want to just like share with people just to Encourage them just to keep going, to continue showing up, to continue believing that God does have a plan and a purpose for their lives and the people in their um, sphere of influence. Do you have anything you wanted to say to
0: them before we wrap up? Absolutely. You know, your question makes me think of Revelation chapter two when Jesus began through John writing, communicating seven letters for the seven churches in Asia Minor that were there at that time. And the church in Ephesus, you know, they were about it. They were toiling, working, serving. Hmm. They were trying to serve Jesus for a long time. And they were theologically sound. Uh, they were for the right things. And they'd borne a lot of fruit in their lives. Um, but the love they had at the first, that's what Jesus had hmm. against them, had been abandoned. They'd abandoned the love they had at the first and Jesus just he wanted them to return to that that uh, marital hmm. passion for him mm-hmm. and I know that there are times where people struggle with their relationship with God and they you know we we question you know why is God doing this or that why is he allowed this or that into my life but I think in our heart of hearts, at the core of who we are, we know through the gospel that Christ does not disappoint in any way. And if we could rekindle that first love afresh, um, you know, it might lead us into having a restored vigor for serving Jesus. But it might lead us to saying, you know, I need to take some time to just Hmm. sit at the feet of Jesus and get refreshed and restored in him for a while. But you cannot detach serving Jesus from your personal love for Jesus. So my encouragement, you know, to someone who's really, you know, struggling, and I think, you know, the last couple of years have been really hard for yeah. ministers of the gospel. There've been so many things that um, people have felt are primary. That I think, when it, you look into the word, they're just not primary, but they've had a primary feeling and tone and anger mm-hmm. about them, and it's been hard. You know, it's been challenging for a lot of gospel workers you know to endure because you feel like you want to be about Jesus you want to be about the word but there's just these discouraging elements and factions that are present and it can be a distraction it can be hard to know what to do you can you know feel bummed out Uh, but to so so for you know people in that situation you know I just really encourage you to Return to your first love. You know, I I was reading a J.I. Packer book recently where he talked about his call into ministry. And at the point that he was writing this book, it was an event that had happened 50 years earlier. (laughs) And he said that uh, the little chapel service at his school that he was in at that time as a young man, this, um, I forget even what denomination he had come from, but this clergyman came and was speaking and Packer just really wasn't expecting very much from this guy because I think he'd come from a different denomination or something. And there he was in his clerical robes Mm -hmm. getting ready to give this speech to the student body. But Packer said that there was a moment where this man just said, you know, I, I came to Christ and it was, I was 18 years old and this is what happened to me. It was a radical moment. And then what happened to me is God gave me a love for his church. I became infatuated with his church I, I I grew to be enamored with the church and that just so resonated with Packer and it kind of launched him into like choosing that ministry life or at least that's the way he framed it in this book and you know for people who are serving Jesus, a lot of times, that's happened to you at some point in your life. You you became enamored with the church. You mm-hmm. you 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 you're like Jesus. You're brilliant. Yeah. You know you're brilliant. As I know, people have all kinds of issues with the church or whatever. But for a lot of us, we just feel like this is the coolest invention ever. It's yeah. such a grace operation. totally. It's so weak and humble and it has to be dependent <laughs> on the Lord. You know, it's this new community, this new humanity. It's the coolest invention ever. Yeah. And it's only possible because of Jesus. Amen. So we've fallen in love with this thing that Jesus made, but you just can't have a true love for the church without, um, cultivating, protecting, establishing, prioritizing your love for Jesus, the inventor of the church. So whatever you got to do to get back Mm -hmm. to that first love, um, do it and prioritize those things. And if you don't have time to keep that central in your life, then you're not going to make it. So find a way to make sure there is the time because otherwise, uh, you're bound to burn out. We pray that today's discussion has blessed you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us. Until next time, God bless.